0: It's time to talk UK sports with the voice of the Wildcats, Tom Leach. This is the Leach Report Radio Network. Join in the discussion by tweeting your questions to at Report or email leachreport at gmail.com. And you can call 877-904-1080. Now, along with an outstanding lineup of guests and broadcast to the most passionate fan base in America, the Big Blue Nation, here's the voice of the Wildcats.
1: Tom Leach. Hello, everybody. It is the Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. And glad to have you guys on board with us on this nice-looking Wednesday. It's, you know, it's July in Kentucky, so it's going to be obscenely hot and a chance of a thunderstorm about every day. That's It looks, when they put up the boxes, when the weather people put up the boxes of uh, the seven-day forecast, uh, they all look the same. They, they find different ways to stay to say it's going to be hot and potentially stormy. Uh, coming up on the show today, we'll chat with Mike Pratt, as we have been doing on Wednesdays. Normally, uh, uh, Mike's our Thursday guy, but uh, he was doing some golf outings on Thursdays. So we moved him to Wednesdays for the summer. Chris Fisher for, uh, from the Cat's Paws. And Cash Daniels going to finish up with us in the final segment today. And if you follow Cash on Twitter, you know he is doing some uh, fishing excursions and putting them on youtube we had tim couch recently i think he did one with Jamin davis before that so we'll talk with cash a little bit about that the uh, upcoming wildcat team uh, some of his thoughts on his time at kentucky etc so that's the guest lineup for today let's roll right into the wildcat news of the day it's a service of cardinal point financial group that is a private wealth advisory practice of ameriprise financial services uh one thing we want to talk with uh Uh, Mike and uh, Chris Fisher about is a chat that Cal had with Andy Katz on uh, Andy's March Madness 365 podcast. Andy asked Cal to build his dream player from the best qualities of his Kentucky players. So to kind of look at his guys he's had in his time at Kentucky and, uh, what, who's the best playmaker, uh, etc. And um, we'll get into uh, to this when we um, have our discussion. It's uh, up at uh, various sites. You can see some of the highlights. Um, maybe most of them. Maybe you agree with. Maybe some. You uh, and Cal, as you would understand, it's it's a difficult thing to pick one guy in some of the or well, really all of these categories. And he does in some others. He throws out several names. Um, but we'll talk a little bit about that rather than just go through them all here when we uh, get Mike and uh, Chris on the show. Speaking of basketball, Adam Kunkel's a name to maybe pay a little attention to. He is leaving Belmont after leading Belmont in scoring last season as a sophomore at 16.5 points per game. Six three guard shooting, shot 39% on threes. Uh, KSR says, as reported, there is uh, some interest from Kentucky. And he, uh, Kunkel's entered the transfer portal. Uh, he would be expected to sit out this coming season and then have two years of eligibility. Uh, and he is a Cooper High School product. So, a name to, to keep an eye on as uh, this moves forward, but uh, another one in the transfer portal and um, ESPN. Uh, came out with a, a story that listed Kentucky as one of the winners in the transfer season with the three pickups of and uh, uh, Toppin, and Saar, and now potentially a, a fourth, maybe. We'll see how this plays out. Uh, Darren Kennard, Drake Jackson, named to the Outland Trophy watch list. The Outland Trophy honors the nation's top interior lineman. Uh, Bob Gain won that award back in the 50s as a Wildcat. And we're seeing so many of the Kentucky offensive linemen get recognition. Drake and uh, Darian, uh, Landon Young as well. And uh, there is uh, a push for Wisconsin right now. They're uh, doing a little branding uh, work uh, with their offensive line. But I think you're seeing Kentucky head in that direction where um, Kentucky becomes maybe known for the work with its offensive linemen. And you can't say enough about uh, the job that John Schlarman has done at his alma mater. Uh, Dr. Eli Capilouto, in addition to being president of the University of Kentucky, is also head of the president's uh, group for the SEC. And I believe heads up an NCAA president's group as well. Anyway, he did an interview with AL.com. Uh, one of the interesting quotes that came out of it, uh, he said, We can go into a lockdown or try to live in a COVID world. I think most of us realize we've got to live in a COVID world. So, and uh, this is, comes from Dr. Capelluto, who has a master's in epidemiology and is dean of UAB's, or was dean of UAB's School of Public Health when he was there. So a lot of expertise in, in that area. In addition to being a university president, and we've said before, it's going to be university presidents and uh, governors of states that uh, are, they're going to be the, the key decision makers as far as uh, getting college sports back. And um, I think you're, you're sensing uh, from uh, presidents that uh, they're, and this falls in line with uh, you know all the actions that we're seeing they're the, everybody wants this to happen to bring uh, sports back. I say everybody. There's a, you know, uh, certainly it seems to be a, the the players uh, seem to be heavily in favor of it from any polls you see, um, and obviously there's a financial consideration uh, for uh, the schools, a huge one, uh, but for players they're obviously not getting any any money out of it, but they still, uh, for them, it's just. The, the competitor in them that wants to play. It's just up for everybody everybody else to make sure that they can do that safely. And uh, that's what really I think kind of everybody's still keeping their fingers crossed for, that uh, in the next couple of weeks, some of the measures, uh, be it mask wearing, uh, etc., uh, are able to kick into gear to get us to a point where we see some improvement in the numbers. Um, there is a story out today. I think it's uh, the U.S. has uh, made a deal with Pfizer to buy uh, to get 100 million doses of a vaccine that could be coming in the fourth quarter of this year. Now they're cutting the steel with the knowledge that they haven't finished their trials yet, and they've got to go into the final phase of human trials. But that's slated to start here uh at the end of this month so i guess by sometime next week and if all goes well and it's gone splendidly so far not only for pfizer but for several other companies working on vaccines that uh, it certainly looks like they're going to be uh, well ahead of schedule at getting a vaccine which bodes well for certainly college basketball uh even if uh, in worst case scenario that uh, the season got pushed back till after the first of the year but uh you know, we can speculate about all these things, as we've said many times. It comes down to just rolling with the punches every day and see how the things change when you wake up, what the news is and how the numbers have changed. Links to the stories that we talk about, you can find those on the Bud Light Leach Report page at TomLeachKY.com. We're heading to a break. Mike Pratt will join us when we come right back. It is the Leach Report Radio Network.
0: This is the Leach Report on Talk Radio 1080. You can interact
1: with the show via Twitter at Leach Report. Now, here's Tom. 17 past the top of the hour. We go to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline to bring on Mike Pratt. You can follow him on Twitter at Mike Pratt 22 How goes it, Michael?
2: It's going good. I just finished my walk, and I'm headed back to the house. Um got to get some things done today, Tom. So I got it, it was nice and cool, and uh, after all the rain we had, so it was good. Good morning. Uh,
1: we were just Chad and I were just talking off the air about baseball starting back, and I think one of the first games tomorrow when it starts back is uh, the Yankees uh, at Washington, and Doctor Fauci is throwing out the first pitch. Uh, which leads me to a question. You ever been asked to do that, throw out a first pitch at any, at any event?
2: No, I, only I have. Um, only when I was coaching at college um, at Charlotte, they started a baseball program. And uh, so the first year of the baseball program, uh, they asked me to uh, throw out the first pitch of the, in the home game. And at that time they played um, at where the uh, Charlotte Orioles uh, – Triple A or Double A then came through town. You know, you can name a who's who, Palmer, Ripken, you name it, they came through Charlotte at that time. So uh, that was that's, that's the only time. That was still pretty cool.
1: Did you throw a strike? I uh,
2: can't remember. I know I got it to the plate. <laughs> I, well, enough, that, I think I probably did, yeah.
1: That's the key thing. <laughs> I, I was asked to do it once at a Lexington Legends game, and um, that was my uh, big concern is, yeah, and like you, I played – uh high school baseball, and so i um you know know how you're supposed to do it, and my biggest thing is like do not bounce this up there you know don't get so you know so focused on doing this that you you know hold onto the ball too long or whatever and so I think I ended up sailing it uh slightly over the catcher's head and it you know it, it wasn't quite as much as Ricky Vaughn in major league where it was just a bit outside but I, th- I think I would. But I figure it's better to, to have too much arm than not enough.
2: Absolutely. And, you know, when you get out there on the pitcher's mound, and I don't care how many people are there, you still feel kind of like you're on an island. And Absolutely. And uh, to do that ceremonial thing, yeah, that's uh, I think Pouchy will get it across.
1: Yes, I would say he'll be working hard at it. There's a, uh, a neat story I remember reading about uh, one of the most uh, – I guess, powerful moments of a, of a first pitch was uh, President George W. Bush uh, after 9-11 when baseball came back. And, um, you know, and you, you've you just had a terrorist attack, so it's not, to, you know, takes a, takes a little courage to, to step out there alone on the mound, um, you know, with uh, what could be going on in the world. And I think, I believe I remember, he didn't wear uh, a bulletproof vest. I, I, I may be wrong on that, but he was, you know, he really wanted to, to make it look good for the country, uh, and did through a strike. Uh, so that was one of he, he one was, of the more important ones.
2: He played a little baseball at Yale, didn't he? I, 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 uh, his dad,
1: well, I know his dad uh, did. did Yeah,
2: yeah. I think he played a little too. But anyway, he, he uh, uh, you got to feel a little pressure standing out there and just having a, even. I was young enough to get through it at that point in time. I don't know if I could do it now.
1: <laughs> uh, well, let's shift gears to uh, this interview Cal did with Andy Katz for a podcast at uh, NCAA.com. And uh, they talked about his team, and he was uh, very, you know, excited about talking about his team and what he thinks they could look like this season. And, uh, you know, he, he is uh, uh, seems seemingly over-the-top uh, enthusiastic now that he's start getting to start to work with him a little bit, but Andy asked him to build his dream player by picking out some of the the best traits of players he's coached, and it, it made for uh, some interesting uh, discussions. And as you you know, your former coach, you you would have trouble always narrowing it down to just one guy because there's a, a lot of guys you uh, don't want to slight, but uh, he did. Uh, throw some interesting things out there his ultimate playmaker the quarterback uh Tyler Euliss, which i'm guessing uh would not surprise fans
2: no a- absolutely not i mean you know he was a uh, he was a tough little rascal and, and he uh you know he was one of those guys unlike some others that thought let's shoot first okay tyler was thinking pass first so in that slot time i think that's a pretty good call don't you
1: absolutely um that was my thought uh, when I saw it. Ultimate Defender. Uh, he uh, uh, talked about Willie Cauley Stein, uh, which you would uh, not be surprised, you know, and Anthony Davis and all of those guys. Uh, best rebounder. Uh, I mentioned Demarcus, uh, and he had numerous double doubles. So I think you'd probably have to go to him as your your best rebounder. But somewhere in there, there's there's got to be a category for uh, between defending rebounding, and I think of a, the, the block shot that he had against Houston in the uh, Sweet 16 game out in Kansas City. P.J. Washington, I thought, was, just, uh, was excellent at all of those things.
2: I, I think he was. Um, I, I, I think he, he did a very nice job on ball defensively, particularly at the low post because he would use his, uh, his strength and his body in there a lot. I don't think he was uh, quite the shot blocker off the ball. That AD was, or maybe even Cuz, but boy, he would battle you inside. And I think with the game going uh, so much pick and roll, uh, pick and pop, whatever it may be, you have to have your bigs able to go out and do some defensive work for a short period of time, maybe even a long period of time. And that's where old Willie Willie really was good at that. Of all the things Willie was good at, you know, uh, he could block a shot off the ball, no question. But he could go out and keep a guard from turning the corner. And just maintained some stability until his teammate got over, uh, as well as anybody, and uh, I think that was the key to uh, his uh, his defensively him getting the reputation that he got. Tom, and I tell you what, Liggins wasn't a bad defensive player. Was no,
1: he? no, he was. I remember the uh, when they put him on the the point guard at Louisville in that game in um, I guess December of 2010 at the Yum Center, and uh, that was. Uh, uh, Key, you know, for all the talk about you know the game Josh Harrelson had and Brandon Knight had that that was just as big a part of that win, and uh, he did that to a lot of people, just locked them down. Um, you know, clutch he players. He talked about uh, you know obviously Aaron Harrison's at high up on that list. Uh, John Wall made some big shots. Um, um, and let me go down through here. Did another one he about Brandon him. Knight. He uh, mentioned Brandon in a couple of different categories for best playmaker and, and clutch uh, shooter, uh, bucket getter. Uh, you know, he's a guy that could, you know, you could get a bucket. He mentioned Deron Lamb and uh, Booker, Hero, Bledsoe. Uh, he said MKG could do that, but uh, he said Anthony Davis by the end of the year was ridiculous. He could get buckets 10 different ways. Carl Towns by the end of the year, that's all we did. We were going at him. Uh, when I saw the Anthony Davis comment, it made me think of you because I know you and I talked a lot that season. It was, He was so dominant, AD, as a, a defensive player from the start, but it was so much fun to watch him grow just week-to-week week offensively.
2: Yeah, he had to get his training wheels off, didn't he? Uh, yes. Once he got those training wheels off, Tom, he was uh, he was more confident and took, uh, took advantage of situations, understood them, and uh, that was good. Uh, i tell you, a guy could get you a bucket now. I mean, you, there's a lot of them that he's had to get a bucket, but Jamal Murray,
0: woo,
1: yeah, he
2: could get you a bucket, man. Um, and he, he was not shy for trying and uh, he was just pretty, pretty damn good player, you
1: know. Yeah, that was – I really enjoy – I always enjoy watching great guards play, and, um, you know, Eulis and Murray was as as much fun to watch as, as any tandem Kentuckys had. They just – if Dica- I always think if Dakari had hung around one more year like Nick Richards did, you could have played Scal at the high post and Dakari down low. Uh, that could have been, a, you know, a, a team that was Final Four caliber.
2: Yeah, you could have built some very interesting um, – triangles out of the offense uh, low post elbow wing you could create some mismatches to make people defensively make some decisions maybe they didn't want so yeah uh, we really uh, that was that was a shame the car didn't come back no question
1: mike always fun to catch up i'll let you go uh we'll uh you can kind of uh recover from the walk get you a nice bottle of water and uh kick back and enjoy the day
2: you too buddy see you
1: mike bratt Uh, His weekly visits, presented by Boone's Butcher Shop in Bardstown. Check them out at boonesbutchershop.com. We'll be right back with Chris Fisher from the Cats Post. Find out more about the voice of the cats and get great coverage of the big blue at tomleachky.com. Coming up on the halfway point of this Wednesday edition of the Leach Report, uh, time for a Triple Crown Road update presented by Claiborne Farm doing the usual unusually well for more than 100 years. And trainer Tom Drury has confirmed that art collector, winner of the Toyota Bluegrass Stakes at Keeneland earlier this month, is headed to the Ellis Park Derby on August the 9th. And this could be the only time in, uh, in history that a Kentucky Derby winner gets his final prep at Ellis Park. If art collector were to go on and win the roses but if you look at uh, something like buyer speed figures as a gauge he is the best one so far uh so art collector going to run one more time in the ellis park derby on august the 9th we're halfway home on this edition of the leech report back with chris fisher from the Catspaws, and then cash daniel in the second half
0: Can't get to a radio? You can listen to us live on the web at TalkRadio1080.com. Now back to the
1: show. Second half of our Wednesday edition of the Leach Report. We go back to the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. Bring on Chris Fisher from Catspaws.com. Uh, Chris, we'll start with the the young man from Belmont who is uh, putting his who has put his name into the transfer portal. Uh, Adam Kunkel, six, three point. Uh, the Shooter Deluxe, leading scorer at Belmont last season. Played at Cooper High School. Any uh, particular memories of his game from his days here in Kentucky?
0: Not particularly. He wasn't a kid that, that I followed very much in, in high school, but obviously he was uh, quite the player at, at Belmont, like you said. I uh, was their leading scorer and uh, shot nearly 40% from beyond the arc. And uh, It'll be interesting to see uh, what – kentucky's interest level will be if 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 there is any interest i think uh you know jacob toppin could be um an interesting kind of test case to where kentucky may be looking to kind of build some experience organically and some continuity in its roster uh through some sit-out transfers and um, he's definitely a guy that could give Kentucky a boost as far as a perimeter shooting is concerned and I know it always makes Kentucky fans happy when there's a, a native Kentuckian on the roster so we'll we'll wait and see what happens
1: yeah you know, championship teams the final four teams really they they had some uh, guys in the 90s that uh, were key roles coming following that path uh, think of Hashimu Evans in 98 Mark Pope in 96 Derek Anderson uh, 93 uh, Final Four team Travis Ford. And um, with Cal, the uh, ESPN story uh, right now it lists Kentucky as one of uh, the winners in the transfer season, they call it, with the guys that Cal picked up, uh, Toppin, you mentioned, and SAR and, and Mintz. And um, when the landscape of, of college recruiting changed, there, in, you know, somewhere in the, the mid 2000 to 2010 period in that decade it started to to change where you know the the one and done uh, era if you will and cal was a guy that was ahead of the curve in in recognizing how the the landscape was changing and he's you know he's not the first time he's uh, you know been had that kind of acumen uh, in an area um do you think that he's seeing a kind of a sea change in recruiting with the push toward you know automatic transfers uh, automatic eligibility for transfers a possibility et cetera that that's uh, what that he's maybe a little bit of ahead of the head of the curve and getting deeper into the transfer game
0: could be yeah could be i I think and you're right he's he's always prided himself as a guy who is able to read the tea leaves and and be ahead of the game on on you know the direction that that different things are going. And and we've all seen the way um, the transfer portal has uh, completely transformed uh, recruiting. I I mean, I think, you know, coaches are holding out multiple scholarships now just for uh, the transfer season. And I think – I'm a little surprised that maybe Cal didn't go this route before with so many defections, you know, that he's had from guys who he thought were gonna be multi year players that maybe weren't necessarily happy with their playing time as freshmen and then and you know, then started to to look elsewhere. But if you can get a guy like Jacob Toppin or an Adam Kunkel, um As more, you know, with a couple years of experience under their belt, they're going to be much more apt to play at a level like Kentucky versus, you know, them being a less heralded freshman going against guys that are potential first-round picks, lottery picks, and, and things of that nature. So, I think it it would be potentially a really good fit for Kentucky to to explore this option even more.
1: I see where uh, Brandon uh, Huntley Hatfield player that is uh, high on Kentucky's wish list from all reports is changing high schools any significance to that from Kentucky's perspective?
0: No, I, I don't think it changes anything in the way of Kentucky's recruitment of him. I, I still think they're, you know, very comfortably the the favorite in his uh, recruitment, you know, the number one power forward in the 2022 class and, you know, one of the top 10 prospects overall in that class as well. I think uh, Kentucky is, has to be considered the, the prohibitive favorite. And, and quite frankly, I think they're recruiting him as though he's going to be a member of the 2021 class. And uh, those are, you know, two more trends that you're starting to see more and more in recruiting. You're seeing guys reclass up you're seeing guys you know attend multiple uh, high schools and, and prep schools over the course of uh, of their career before they get to college and uh and brandon brandon huntley hatfield is is definitely uh you know the the next in line as far as those guys are concerned
1: chat with chris fisher you can read him at catspaws.com at chris fisher 24 7 on twitter and uh, one of the stories you have up at the site is about something we're talking with mike pratt about this interview cal did with andy katz for a, a podcast at com, and trying to build uh, per the question from andy his dream player using qualities of some of his best players here and uh, you know best playmakers best clutch guy best bucket getter uh, Etc. There's a list you can see in in Chris's story. Uh, anything that uh, surprised you as you heard uh, heard or read some of Cal's comments?
0: Uh, I was a little surprised that there wasn't more of a mention of, of, of De'Aaron Fox and, and Malik Monk. I think those two guys were, were were just completely dynamic during their their year at Kentucky, but. I think my biggest takeaway was, you know, for each category, he had a really hard time
2: uh, oh, yeah.
0: narrowing it down as anyone, you know, that has coached as much talent as he has at Kentucky would be. But I thought it was interesting that he singled out Tyler Eulis as much as he did. And it really speaks volumes. And I tweeted this yesterday about how special Tyler Eulis was at Kentucky. Uh, he singled him out for, for best playmaker, uh, and then he singled him out again for, uh, I think, his highest basketball IQ or his coach on the court. And, I mean, the the sophomore season that Tyler Ewell's had at Kentucky gets overlooked because that team didn't go quite as far in the NCAA tournament as, as some people had hoped and, you know, were a little bit up and down. But, I mean, SEC Player of the Year, SEC Defensive Player of the Year, you know, All-American Bob Cousy Award winner, uh, really, along with Jamal Murray, carried – that team at times over stretches of of that season and uh, just really special what he was able to accomplish especially at you know five foot eight and, and 140 pounds
1: you know ulis and murray i uh, was just talking about this with with mike a few minutes ago that's as good a tandem in the backcourt as cal has had and that that covers a lot of ground uh with the, the great guards that he's had starting with you know wall and bledsoe in the first year but you're right, those two guys, because of what, you know, Eulis was SEC Player of the Year. Murray had uh, one of the longest streaks in school history of a, of a freshman with 20 point games and um, was just uh, became an incredible uh, bucket getter, to use Cal's term, uh, down the stretch of that season. And if only um, they had had that uh, presence down low, and if Dakari had stayed a third year as Nick did, they would have had it. Uh, the pieces would have fit together so much better with, with Scal and uh, and Alex and the rest. And um, it's it's a shame that that backcourt tandem probably does get a little overlooked as a tandem that, for the fact that the season didn't last as long as others.
0: Yeah, you look at uh, you know, the season Tyler Ullis had set the, you know, also set the single-season assist record, breaking John Wall's mark in, in 2010. And Jamal Murray score, had the highest scoring average he averaged twenty points per game uh Malik monk had the most total points as a freshman in the cal era but you're right it was it, it kind of feels like a missed opportunity scowl you know uh, didn't Develop into the prospect that many thought he would be. Alex Poitras was, uh, you know, still a little up and down, as was Marcus Lee. And you know, you can't help but wonder what that team would have looked like with a guy like Dakari Johnson, who could, you know, score with his back to the basket and, you know, was a a rebounding force as well. And and you know, let's be honest, that that team, you know, had a really tough draw there as a, a four seed, winning the SEC tournament and beating Texas A&M, who I think was a three-seed in that same NCAA tournament, running into you know, Big Ten champion Indiana in the second round. That was uh, that was tough.
1: Chris Fisher, Catspaws.com. You can go there and read the story that we're talking about and more. Thank you, Chris. All right, thanks. Coming up next, Cash Daniel joins the program. This is the Leach Report Radio Network, and we will be right back. It's the Leech Report on Talk
0: Radio 1080.
1: Tweet us at Leach Report or email Report at gmail.com. Guests on our show come to you via the KentuckyHempWorks.com hotline. And Kentucky Hemp Works is Kentucky proud. And based down in the western part of the state in Christian County. A lot of great wildcats have come out of Christian County over the years. Um. And other athletes from other schools as well. It's been a tremendous um, hotbed for athletes. But we digress. We're going to talk about Kentucky Hemp Works. KentuckyHempWorks.com is where you need to go to see their array of products that come from the hemp that they grow in their fields and produce in their facilities on site at their farm. Uh, You can go to their YouTube channel and see some of the videos of their operation and also what uh, the hemp industry in Kentucky could mean to family farms uh, here in the state. An important new cash crop. And com has CBD oil, uh, a couple of new products for fishermen made entirely from hemp seeds and so much more. So make sure you check them out at KentuckyHempWorks.com. Uh, we are working to land uh, Cash Daniel, hopefully here in a minute or two. Uh, SportsIllustrated.com as a watch list for, high school, for its high school All-America team. And there are several... Uh, Kentuckians on it, um, some Kentucky commits, 10 of them as a matter of fact, four in state, Dekel Crowdus, Jordan Lovett, Kai Sharon, and Lavelle Wright, Lovett and Wright from North Hardin, Sharon from Somerset, Crowdus from uh, Douglas High School in Lexington. Uh, six other Kentucky commits from other states are on this SI watch list. And uh, also a player that Kentucky hopes to land but is still uncommitted is uh, number one in the state, and that's Jagger Burton, also from Douglas High School, the offensive lineman. And um, we'll uh, see when he elects to make his decision. Um, all, all just about any any program in the country uh, is trying to uh, to land Jagger and uh, Kentucky, hoping that uh, being close to home, uh, in addition to what Mark Stoops has done with the program, is going to carry the day. So we'll see. Um, could be, uh, in, you know sometime in the next month or two could be later uh jaggers decision making and uh, has been affected obviously by the coronavirus uh, mess and uh, the inability to take official visits and those things that he would normally be doing over the course of the summer it is our wednesday edition of the leach report we'll take a quick break and see if we can land cash when we come right back it is the leach report radio network Wednesday edition of the Leach Report, about eight minutes away from the top of the hour. Um, we're talking with uh, Chris Fisher about this uh, story that he has up at catspaws.com uh, regarding the uh, interview Cal did with Andy Katz. And uh, Chris uh, noted that uh, he didn't see uh, De'Aaron Fox and Malik Monk uh, show up on here Um and I haven't read the uh, the entire thing through, so or in, or certainly heard the interview to uh, see if maybe they did show up at some point. But he makes a good point, nevertheless, that um, the uh, monk would be, I think, certainly in the bucket getter category, would be uh, a guy that uh, would be on that list. And you know, as your coach, you don't get the questions ahead of time from the interviewer in something like this. So uh, it comes up, and you um, you're obviously going to probably as when they've had as many. Uh, outstanding players on this uh, this kind of list, uh, you may uh, miss somebody as you first time kind of go through it. But uh, De'Aaron Fox, um, you know, maybe the best category for him might be when they um, talk about best athletes in this. Uh, Cal mentioned John Wall, uh, Eric Bledsoe. Certainly, uh, De'Aaron was the, so fast, just end to end, and also uh, his uh, the quickness of his hands. Um, I think he's the guy that, um, man, if he had, uh, in a different time, he would have come back from a, uh, a uh, second year. He was just starting to hit his stride at the end of that first year. He would have been so good. Um, Shannon, any uh, – oh, we got Cash. Great. Cash, great. Thanks for joining us. I wanted to uh, get you on to uh, talk a little bit about uh, what I'm seeing on your Twitter feed, this uh, project you're doing, taking guys out fishing. You had Jamin Davis, your former linebacker colleague, there, and you took the Deuce, Tim Couch, most recently. So, tell me about this show.
3: Well, Tom, first off, man, it's glad to glad to hear from you, man. Good to be talking. So you I haven't talked absolutely, Tom, and uh, glad to hear you're still still uh, still doing, still being the voice of the Wildcats, being the best at it, man. And,
1: just hoping uh, for a game to call.
3: <laughs> hey, I hear you, brother. I hear you. Maybe one day i come up and call one with you. There you go. I'd like that. But, um, yeah, man, so off season, it's a, uh, so what it is, it's it's a series in itself on my YouTube page. I'm still going to be doing some, uh, you know, maybe some workout things here and there and uh, some hunting and fishing episodes of me, uh, you know, just by myself. So offseason is just a, a series in itself, but basically what it is Tom is that you know I want to give you know athletes you know across the state of Kentucky across across the nation the the overall you know enjoyment and excitement that I get you know from being out there you know on the water you know or in the woods just you know just taking in you know what the outdoors is all about man just being out there being at peace you know being one with yourself and you know just being out there and you know enjoying every second Um you know, it's also an opportunity, you know, this is for people to see, you know, the real side of the athlete, you know, the actual person rather than just uh, you know, the number that they have on their jersey, uh, you know, or the helmet when they run out there, you know, on the football field or wherever sport they may be playing. And so really it's just an opportunity for me to go around and meet a lot of great people uh and give them to tell give them a chance to tell their story. You know, there's a lot of sometimes we you know we get a lot of uh uh, misunderstanding, you know, of people, you know, of, uh, of how they play. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, when they saw me play, uh, they thought, well, you know, they, they saw the intensity, they saw the, you know, the, uh, the anger that I played with, you know, and the passion that I played with, and, you know, really just how I thought football should, should be played from a, from a linebacker position. But, what they don't realize is that you know that's that's literally that's not that's a different that's a different person out there than you know what I am off the field. And So uh, really, it's just a it's just an opportunity for for everybody to go out there and really tell their story, their side of everything, and you know and have a great time doing it. And just be able to go out there and meet a lot of great people. So you know, I'm very excited about it, man. It's just uh, we just like you said, we just wrapped up uh, filming with uh, with Tim. It was an awesome, awesome time out there, man. We went out to the, Green uh, Greenbrier Country Club. So, uh, can't thank Kelly, the club manager out there enough to let us come out there and fish. But, uh, you know, it was a rough day out there and, uh, <laughs> you know, Tim, Tim caught, uh, Tim caught, you know, two good ones right off the bat. And, uh, you know, it was, but it was, it was pretty hard to find them, but we ended up catching a couple good ones and the ones we did catch were good. And, uh, you know, it's just really good conversation about his time, you know, being from Eastern Kentucky, you know, and actually being able to, you know, actually actually ask somebody these questions rather than rather than being asked to me, you know, because uh, I'm always getting asked about, you know, what it means to be from Eastern Kentucky. Everybody has always heard my answer about that, and so really, uh, you know, we just talk about, you know, the pride we have from being from this state, uh, being from that small corner of the state. And how he went from, you know, basically being a quarterback in Hyden, Kentucky, and in three years, he's the number one overall draft pick. And so there's a lot of great conversation there of how Tim, you know, made that transition from uh, college to the pros, and how even before that, when he came in from, you know, the transition from Bill Curry to Al Mummy, and everything like that. So let me jump in here.
1: with we're out of time unfortunately um we'll, we'll direct people to uh, type cash daniel into the search box there on youtube and you'll find this and uh, i will uh holler back at you and we'll uh explore this a little further because uh, i want to talk a little bit about uh what uh, some of your thoughts on the uh, upcoming season as well for this team when the games hopefully get played so i'll holler at you a little later we'll do that but thanks to uh, cash daniel that'll do it for this edition of the leech report we'll see you tomorrow
0: Thanks for listening to the Leach Report. Make sure you check out the podcast page at TomLeachKY.com whenever you miss a show. And be sure to follow the Leach Report Facebook page. If you have a question for Tom, email it to leechreport@gmail.com. at gmail.com. See you next.